0: builders need to hear what 45 l means and as far as dollars if you are a contractor and if you are if your house is energy star certified that's 2500 tax credit those are real dollars
1: this is the one and only the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value You're listening to R-Value. Brought to you by America's Insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want
0: to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival
1: in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business?
0: R-Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the R-Value podcast to
1: become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with R-Value. Well, welcome to today's R-Value podcast. Today, we are reaching out to ResNet because more and more and more, I am having contractors that are being challenged on things that they've done for a very long time, and code officials are looking for something different. In fact, three times this week, I had contractors who had code officials who had either changed out from the old guy or somebody was brought in, or they went to a training where the game had changed and all of a sudden the rug got pulled out and they were in need of a report because they could no longer do business as usual in the manner that they had been insulating homes. So with that, we have one of the key people from ResNet, which is Residential Energy Services Network, Her name is Cardice, and she actually comes from the insulation industry and went over there. We sent her over there to infiltrate ResNet. Actually, that's not true. I'm pretty sure ResNet (laughs) reached out to her. Cardice, how are you today?
0: I am doing fantastic, Ken. Thanks for having me. And It is such a pleasure and honor to step back in the world of insulation that brought me to the party so thank you for inviting me
1: absolutely now give people some background because you did not come from a tiny little insulation company let let uh some of the people know what your experience was with insulation
0: so um Curtis howard um for those of you that don't know me i um started my career in the insulation industry in the dallas fort worth metroplex in about 1991 And I went to work for a small little company um, and that small little company was bought by Garland Insulating. So I worked for Garland Insulating for several years, um, left Garland Insulating, worked at some other um, competitors for some years, I won't name them. And full circle came back to Garland Insulating and um, was there until 2017. Um, So spent over 25 years of my life um in the insulation world um as the insulation contractor which i enjoyed thoroughly
1: and in the end uh across texas how many trucks did garland run across the state i know it was more than 50. what did you guys have out there going
0: oh wow we probably ran um, a little just a little less than 50 in dfw um when i left so i would say Garland Insulating's footprint, um, when I was there, was probably over 100 trucks um, with the varying locations. Um, They were in dallas Fort Worth, of course, um, Houston, College Station, and um, they had a branch that serviced um, the San Antonio-Austin area as well.
1: And I know while you were doing insulation, one of the big things that you did was really bridge the gap between the hers raider and your company you actually sought them out and used them is that correct
0: so yes that's that's correct in a sense so how, how it all came about so i i, I just i always had like a, a very um different approach um to the industry i, I kind of thought that maybe i kind of thought out of the box a little bit and i had the opportunity um while i was at garland insulating to um, be introduced to Steve Baden, the executive director at ResNet. And, and so we fostered a relationship, and I kind of shared my ideas with him um, as an installation contractor. And I think he thought, you know, well, you know, you kind of do think out of the box. He um, encouraged me to participate on their board, so I was actually the first installation contractor that set on the ResNet board of directors. Um, so, and and that was a, a very good experience for me.
1: Well, and you also used the raiders in your area, though you tended to work with them to get projects through, to do things a little differently. It it wasn't there on that side of the fence. You're on this side of the fence.
0: That's correct. So as as um, that relationship developed, and I I learned more of how raiders. You know, how Raiders fit in our industry. So actually, for a lot of builders, these are being one, trees um, K Havnanian, I did a lot of training on the job site with Raiders. We would all come together, electricians, plumbers, um, insulators, all come together on job sites to um, do some, some on-the-job training, um, how each contractor affects the other contractors, the long-term goals of the builder and what the builder's trying to accomplish and how your work affects the next guy's work. Um, and, and the Raiders kind of, the Raiders help bridge that gap between the contractors. And I, you know, um, got to work with um, a lot of the Raiders um, in, in the DFW Metroplex.
1: Well, and that's good because once you can get your you know, the the process down of the build and who's doing what on what day and all of that, if you can bridge all those gaps, you know, maybe knock a day off the build cycle, maybe not, but certainly decrease the finger pointing and get it to pass the first time, you're, you're really making it over some hurdles there.
0: That was the goal. Um, if you are failing inspections, and we all fail an inspection, but if you continuously failed the same inspection, and um, you you continue. It's it's between you and other trades and things that are going on because we're all working for the same builder, and we're all in the same builder's house. So if we are continually failing the same inspection for the same thing, we all need to come together and figure out how we can do this better. And that was the goal.
1: So what made you then go over to Resnet? What what created that, and why Resnet?
0: So in in 2017. Um, my um, journey as an installation contractor was shifting. And um, that shift was probably a little sooner in my career than I had hoped it to be. But my, my long-term goal um, in the industry after I um, kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, retired from being an installation contractor, I had hoped to work for one of the industry organizations. And being that I was on the ResNet board, ResNet was attractive to me. Well, it just kind of all happened at the same time as uh, my career was shifting, ResNet was seeking an operations manager. And so they reached out to me to let me know that they were seeking an operations manager. And so I, um, of course, sought out that position and um, I was hired for, for that position. So I became ResNet's operation manager in 2018.
1: Now, since that time, you guys have worked on quite a few things, but this new one, this Texas bill, uh, the HB 3215, that seems to really be a, a new pace that you guys are setting. Uh, can you talk to people about that? Because while it may not be in the rest of the country, I would certainly guess that this is what's coming to many places.
0: So, as I stated, I, I came on ResNet at twenty-eight in twenty eighteen as operations manager, and then in twenty nineteen I was promoted to deputy director. And since that time, um, some great things have happened. Um, a lot of initiatives that we worked on, and particularly in Texas, last year, June of fourteen. 14th of 2021, House Bill 3215 was signed into law by Governor Abbott here in Texas. Um, It was signed into law during the 87th um, regular session, and it's a new law in the books. And the state now recognizes the home energy rating system, HERS index score, as a standalone compliance pathway um, to meet state energy codes.
1: Now that's unique because just this week I had someone in Tennessee and the code official is debating whether or not they would accept an ERI or HERS rating. They're almost trying to hybrid between prescriptive and something else. So, what you're saying is, you know, Texas is really the first state to come out and say statewide, every jurisdiction, we accept this rating as a path.
0: That is correct. Um, And, and, you know, it's, it's of course great for ResNet because hers is a ResNet product. You know, right now the state of Texas has, has three energy codes, Um, 2015, 2018, 2021, and 2024 is going to be coming on, you know, here in probably the next two to (laughs) three years, if not sooner. And, you know, that's confusing for builders. It's confusing for contractors. Um, You have, large builders and even um, some of the regional builders that are building in more than one municipality could be building in the same county um, and just depends on where you know you're sitting in one county you may have two different energy codes which makes it extremely hard to build a consistent product. And especially for production builders, if you're trying to you know you're trying to maintain cost, it is very advantageous of you to be able to build a consistent product. House Bill 3215 being signed into law in the state of Texas allows builders to do that. And I want to add that this um, bill was signed into law for 10 years. So this gives builders a long time to plan and plan effectively.
1: So it's kind of like a stretch code where they're starting at one number and decreasing those numbers down over time to a... Uh, something that's closer to, say, the 2021 code as opposed to the 2015?
0: Yes, yeah, so, like, right now, okay, and, and, you know, Texas has, what, four four climate zones, right? So, so right now, let's just take climate zone three in, in the state of Texas. So, as of today, if you want to um, use House Bill 3215 as your code compliance pathway um, to meet code in the state of Texas, um, you have to have um, a HERS rating of a 59. And that is good um, from today going forward to August of 2025. And then so at September 2025 through August of of, um, 2028, that number decreases to 57, which means your house will be more energy efficient. And then on or after September, 2028, the number goes down to 55. So again, you've got a sliding scale. Builders don't have to have this knee-jerk reaction because things have changed so drastically and it gives you time to plan your business.
1: How does the HERS score differ from the energy rating index?
0: So the HERS score has actually, it's just been, it's been, Completely pulled out of. Okay, well, let me go back. So the previous law leaned more toward towards the IRC's version of the ERI. The House Bill thirty two fifteen totally separates the ERI pathway from the HERS pathway. So it's it's a it's completely a standalone pathway.
1: And it's calculated slightly differently, is it not?
0: Yes, you know, there's a blower door, there's more, um, there's pre drywall, post drywall testing, there's a blower door testing also um, with HERS index. And also, you truly, it's more than, you know, checking a box. You truly have a certification that says, my home is energy efficient because of this score and this is where the score is.
1: Now, along with that, uh, I know that there were some changes 2015, 2018 in certain jurisdictions. the ICC recognized hers Raiders to go do part of the IECC checklist. At this point, there is a new designation where uh, Raiders can act as code officials in many jurisdictions, correct?
0: That is correct. Um, and that designation is, and it's a mouthful, so so bear with me. It is the ICC, IECC, HERS compliance specialist. And this specialty designation combines energy code knowledge that's required by jurisdictions with deep energy efficiency and building science knowledge to recognize individuals qualified to conduct energy code, plan review, inspections, testing, so on and so forth. And this designation it's not to replace code officials. It's to work alongside code officials um, because typically code officials' job was for structural safety and not necessarily energy. Um, so we're we're trying to bridge that gap to make sure all aspects of the envelope are covered, and also as our with with all all of our. Um, with all of the different jobs in our industry, code officials, the same way, we are struggling with labor. Um, I, I can't recall the average age of code officials, but I think it was like the high 50s or you know um, low 60s. And we have a lot of code officials that are, are retiring. So with this designation, um, we're also helping with bridging that gap of um, a labor issue.
1: Yeah, I was told there's quite an aging out issue with code officials and that many jurisdictions really wanted to rely on this so that the raider could take part of that burden. And because of the fact that you alluded to it before, because you're actually doing blower doors, you're running tests, and you're not just checking boxes, it's a lot more than just a visual, okay, you can go ahead kind of thing. So it seems like a great move for some of these municipalities that don't have the young people staying in their area, you know, especially you get outside of Dallas Fort Worth or somewhere like that and you're in a smaller community and nobody really plans on staying around and taking over that position. So it just seems like you can then have. A business owner or a business person there that steps into that role, but really has, I guess, something to stand on to say, "Hey, I didn't just give my buddy a pass."
0: Exactly, and and this designation, this is this comes from ICC. It's an ICC issued designation. So you know, you first have to be a hearse raider or a RFI, which is a rating field inspector. So you have to be affiliated with Resnet, be a hearse raider or a RFI. And then that certified HERS rate or RFI must then obtain the ICC's residential energy inspector plans to exam- examine the certification that a code official would obtain. So this is, you know, this is not a watered down version. I mean, these people have to go through the same exams and testing that a code official would, would normally go through.
1: Well, that sounds great. Now... I know you guys go out and uh, do things to educate the public on this. I'd seen in Texas, you're doing lunch and learns for, uh, you know, architects, builders, insulators, anybody really that wants to come. So who's really coming to the lunch and learns and how are they receiving it? What, what kind of feedback are you guys getting?
0: So um, who's kind of, well, you know, we, we, been very pleased with the amount of participation we've had um, to date. And to date, we've met with over 500 people across the various events. And um, we had 26 events scheduled as of Wednesday of this week. We had conducted 20 of them, so we have six left. And um, the people that you mentioned earlier—I mean, we've had, um, build, of course, builders in the in the audience, um, code officials, contractors. Architects, some manufacturers, some distributor reps, um, and we've had local uh, raiders also accompany accompany us and have added um, to our discussions. And they've been received very well. Um, one of the things I, I would like to share is that um, the we we are uh, we are working in conjunction with TAB, Texas Association of Builders, to conduct these lunch and learns, and um, a feedback we got from our contact with TAB was ResNet's House Bill 3215 training class has the distinction of being the only class that we have offered in the 18 years that I have been here to hold a class in all 26 of our local HBAs, except for our every other year construction contractors class that is mandatory.
1: Wow, that's outstanding.
0: It's it's great we were very pleased with that we and when we started when we first started we were contracted with it was either 16 or 17 um and we were we were very pleased with that number and as we started having these lunch and learns and word started to spread the additional home builders associations that had not um, contracted with TAB to have ResNet conduct the Launch and Learn. They also um, contracted until we got all 26. So very pleased um, with the particip- participation we're getting from um, the Texas community. Um, so they are wanting to understand this. And, and I, I mean, I like it. I mean, you know, a builder goes to this meeting and he calls a builder friend at, you know, three or four counties away from him and ask him, you know, have you heard about this thing? And they're going to be in your area in three weeks. So it's, that's how it grew. And, and, you know, very fortunate. And I'm extremely pleased with the feedback that we we've received.
1: That's great. And then uh, I know we'd talked before about this is also an easier path to get their tax credits.
0: Yes, it is. And You know, just like the house bill, it was signed and it was for 10 years. And so we're like two years into into it. Part of the the Inflation Reduction Act 45L tax credit is in that. And it's also been extended for 10 years, which is great because before they would like extend it for a year, they were extended for two years, but now it's been extended for um, 10 years. And I believe it's um, retroactive three years. um, So builders can still take advantage of it um, going three years back. Um, you know, ResNet was active in working with the House and the Senate on the tax writing committees on the 45L reform um, and extension. And, you know, right now, if a builder in Texas, if they are energy star or if they're getting a HERS rating, this is just money on the table for them.
1: No doubt about that. When you look at working with builders and setting yourself apart as an insulator, what, what do you think is the best way to really set yourself apart when you're working with your builders,
0: and I think builders need to hear, and contractors need to hear what 45L means, and as far as dollars. So if you if you are a contractor, or if you are a builder, and if you are if your house is Energy Star certified, that's twenty five hundred dollar tax credit, five thousand dollars for homes that are labeled net zero. Also for multifamily. If you're energy star, that's twenty five hundred dollars per unit. Those are real dollars.
1: Yes. The the only caveat to that would be that uh if I'm on multifamily, I need to pay prevailing wage, which you know currently the Fed hasn't set that, but on multifamily it requires prevailing wage. And then the five thousand dollars is net zero ready. You actually yes. uh don't have to quite make it to net zero, but you certainly have to have the house prepared to be able to generate power
0: yes and thank you for correcting me
1: yes yeah you're you're absolutely right though it's financially it only makes sense this is the number one reason to go out and really air seal and have a better building envelope and follow the energy star checklist
0: exactly great opportunity for builders
1: it is (laughs) Let me go back to that one question, though, for, for you, you know, I, I know you you did really well at approaching and working with builders. So for insulators, what's your best advice on how they set themselves apart when working with builders or, you know, uh, working with raiders even?
0: So um, my approach, um, and, and, you know, and I don't, I, don't I, I wouldn't say that this is something I planned. I think it just organically happened. Um, because I'm like a people person. So I would talk to people all the time. So I worked very closely early on, um, in my career with all of the installation manufacturers. I worked very closely with all of the distributors in the Dallas, Fort Worth Metroplex. And the reason I did that is because every time there was a new product that came out, I wanted to know about it. I wanted to test it. I wanted my installers to test it because I felt as, as if I knew what was, new and innovative. I could share that with the builders. Um, and that that was always always my approach. And, and another approach I had, you know with builders is I would I would always walk if, if I wanted to call on a builder, I would take it upon myself to walk their houses even before I called on them because I wanted to see what my competition was doing, what they were doing right, what they may have not been doing right. And I wanted to have solutions for the builder when I approached them. So that's kind of how I approached the market.
1: Now with the Raiders, you know, because obviously we want our uh, insulators connecting with their local Raiders. That's, you know, how they're going to move this forward and maybe get it done in their state. When, When you think of the best way to work with Raiders, you know, you can obviously talk about the envelope. Uh, talk about the sizing of the mechanical, ventilation, rebates, and all of that. How? What do you think is the best way to approach them? Do they have a local meeting and you just go grab them and take them to lunch? Or, you know, if you were doing this all over again, um, how would you approach them?
0: I would approach it the same way I did a long time ago. All builders get inspections. You know who your builder is using. If they're, if they're working with a third-party raider, ask them who they're working with. Find out who their third party raider is. Call them. Ask them if you can meet them at the house. Ask them what they what they like that you're doing. Ask them what they don't like. Have lunch and learns at the houses with the raider. If you're having if you have in insulation installers that are having problems, this is a good training opportunity. The raiders would love to help even train them. I did that all the time. And and, and it bridges again, it bridges a gap. It brings you closer to the Raider and it lets the Raiders know that this company gets it. These people understand. They want to do a good job because in the end we, you know, everybody can say every day, I want to do a good job. I think generally people do want to do a good job. And at the end of the day, we all want to deliver a good product to the end user, which is the homeowner.
1: If I'm in a state where, you know, or let's say I'm working with a builder that doesn't use a Raider, uh, is it pretty easy to have a conversation with those guys to say, "Hey, you really need one. They're going to help you get these rebates." Besides that, there's other things they can bring to the table. Or,
0: so you know, when I started early on, there wasn't you know I didn't there was no such thing as a raider when I first started in this industry. We just worked with code officials, and I would have the same approach. I would go to the to their offices, um, and ask. I would and because they they all have meetings, so I would contact them. And ask when did they have their meetings? I would ask if I could come and sit in as an installation contractor to find out what their pain points w- were from my industry or from my installers in particular. Um, and then as an installation contractor, you know, with, with um, 45L or any of these other initiatives, you should let your builder know about these. This doesn't have to come from a Rainer or from any other outside source. As an installation contractor, educate yourself. You bring you bring this to the builder. The more you can bring to your builder, the more your builder is loyal to you because you're solving his problem, especially if you're telling him, hey, uh, well, maybe if you put R15 in your wall instead of R13, it may cost you $600 more, but hey, you can apply for this tax credit.
1: Yeah, I think it would be good for many of these guys to really understand how a rating works and how you get the points because that's that's the kind of information that you can give in that kind of situation.
0: It, and it's all about trade-offs.
1: It is. And really what I was getting at is how do they try and build the same thing that you guys got in Texas in other states? You know, Can insulators really help you guys move this forward in other states so that they have more compliance paths that are recognized?
0: Well, that that question is probably um, ahead of its time, because of course everything is bigger in Texas and what we found in Texas has been great. Um, we are actually collecting data now um, to determine if we move forward um, in additional states, which states would be the, the next ones um, to move forward in, and how do we do that. Um, so that is something that we are looking at right now, and we're still collecting data on that.
1: Perfect. Now, the one of the last things I wanted to go into, so enforcement the the inflation reduction act includes 1.25 billion dollars to motivate communities code officials really to trend towards the 2021 code and enforcement is coming are are you guys seeing the same things that we're seeing out across the nation
0: We're just beginning to, because I think, you know, like everything that's government related and and not to speak bad about the government, but, you know, it it takes time um, for them to roll things out. We have to get all the rules um, in place first. Um, But, you know, for some of these local offices where you have maybe one or two people working and you just going to have, I don't know, $10 million dropped in your lap. I mean, what do you do with that? That's, that's got to be a, a slightly overwhelming um, feat for them.
1: Yeah, I would think so. If, if if you don't, well, the whole Inflation Reduction Act, if you don't have people in place in your state to give the money away, you're going to take a while to get it out. Yeah. And these enforcement things, if you've got, you know, str- if you're struggling to meet the 2015 and they're trying to get you to bump to the 2021 you're, you're going to have some issues with doing that. And then you've got to kind of rely on ResNet and other people that have been dealing with that information in order to move the ball that far. Now, you guys have a, you mentioned a trends document that you guys do or a you do something yes, with we, friends on the market?
0: We do. We do a, um, a yearly trend uh, and actually our, 2022 trends um, is just being finalized, and I think it will be released on about June 1st. We do an annual trends report.
1: And do they just go to the ResNet website to find that?
0: That is correct. ResNet.us.
1: And what normally comes out in that document?
0: Um, It shows, you know, um, trends from state to state, trends over years, um, type of materials used, um, and just a laundry list of of data. Uh, and, And if I'm not mistaken, it's like a 25 to 30 page report.
1: Before we get to Cardi's final thoughts, I wanted to share a bonus conversation we had after our interview concluded that was so good we had to find a way to work it in. Let's listen as Cardi shares her experiences with projects that she knew would be improved by a Raider. Hopefully uh, these guys will do more with their local people. You know, I just... I think that if they all were on your team, you know, it just expands the influence that you guys have because they're obviously, you know, going to be on every job. And I feel bad when there's not a Raider simply because, you know, what it was this week was code officials were telling foamers they had to put in our 60 and that they weren't going to take performance. And I'm just, flabbergasted it's like wait a minute what if it was a cathedral ceiling oh well then we'd approve 28 whoa time time out hold on you know and that's that's kind of the piece that i'm hoping to clear up because now that the code official has to have a number you're you only have two choices you're either going to find somebody with software or you're going to do exactly what the book says.
0: Yeah. And what the and, book and, you know, says. It's interesting you said that because um, I was in Marble Falls on Wednesday and the exact, I mean, what you just said came up in the discussion in Marble Falls. And um, one of the raiders, uh, we had a raider there um, from Burgess and one from Fox Energy, and they were both. I mean, and I was like standing in the back of the room, and I could see their face, and their like eyes were like just getting bigger and bigger, and they were like, um, "No, no, that's that's not correct. That's an issue," and they kind of talked the builder through it, and he was still like so thoroughly confused, but. Um, you know, he got, you know, with them and they were going to follow up with him to make sure, um, that he's not, you know, number one, paying for something he does not need.
1: Oh my gosh, to the tune of, you know, an incredible amount. And And so for me, I mean, I look at this as yes, there's an educational piece, but we have got to get people using the softwares, whether it's ERI. H-E-R-S, you know, you've got to get them. I see prescriptive as Frank, Ed and John get in the wagon while Mark pulls it to the Thank top God. of the hill. And, you know, cause Mark's got to do the R-60 when the truth is Frank needs to put in good windows. Ed needs to put in a good HVAC system. John needs to make sure that we didn't just leave no overhangs, no nothing, and just point windows into the sun. If those three do their job, there is no reason for George or Mister Insulator to put our sixty in spray like, foam on a roof deck.
0: I mean, you know, the guy said, "Well, you're an insulator. What do you think?" I said, "Well, you're not building in, you're not building houses in Minnesota. You're building houses in Texas. You
1: it doesn't matter R60. where it is."
0: I'm like, "You don't need the R sixty anywhere."
1: Yeah, there is nowhere you need it. Well, okay. So oh I will tell you when we did work with the Cold Weather Climate Research Center up in Alaska, it took 20 inches of spray foam underneath that modern day igloo to keep it from sinking into the ice. Everything sinks into the ice. The sun heats it up, blah, blah, blah. Well, what happened was that's when there was no longer any movement at all we don't take buildings to zero transfer there's a point of diminishing return we cannot require you know the build to be two by 12s in the walls we don't require you know there's there's so many things that we do not do and so it's kind of funny if if you've got cellulose and there's you know, some air movement in a ventilated attic. And, okay, I understand. I understand why you want what you want. But when you go to a Yeti cooler, you're not going to buy a six-inch thick Yeti cooler. You don't <laughs> care if it, you know, if, if one bag of ice stays in there five days, that's good enough. Well, that's two yeah, and I'm a half fine. inches, you know. If yeah. one bag of ice goes eight days, but the cooler is three times the size, we've missed the boat. Yeah. And so it's it's just kind of crazy, but we're seeing it more. My point was, I'm seeing it multiple times a week now because the code officials are starting to enforce. And I think it really is the IRA, the play behind the IRA, the money that's being offered. Oh, yeah. I think they're starting to change what they're willing to accept, but no one's taught them the real you know prescriptive versus performance yeah. and the insulators got by with using five inches well now you have to show it whether mm-hmm. he needs a number of 59 or a number of 60 you got to do one or the other so it's r60 or a 59 not mm-hmm. r60 or foam gets special treatment that's yeah. not going to fly anymore
0: and and it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous
1: it's, well, yeah, but you know, the software understands it's ridiculous, Yeah, but we can't just start giving passes. You know, the, the new rule is you need a number and you need a number. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's either the prescriptive or the software one, but you need a number.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, prescriptive, like you said, I mean, like, <laughs> like, you know, pulling the wagon up the heels, like, oh my gosh.
1: And well, yeah, it's everybody else getting the wagon while George pulls it to the top, you know, and it's yeah. just that doesn't make sense. No, that that's was ridiculous. never the intent. Yep, but uh, if you want to take that path, well, then that's that's your number. So, you know, and I know it relaxes in the 2024, but still, even at an R49, mm-hmm. an R49 of open cell foam on a roof deck is still beyond anything necessary
0: anything and it it makes absolutely no sense you or it's it's like pouring water into a glass that's already full it's just going to spill out on the counter you can keep pouring it and pouring you just like it's like blowing it's like throwing money out the window
1: well Cardis, thank you so much for clearing some of this up and talking about what you guys got going in texas and how insulators can work with raiders. I I just think that they could have a a much closer relationship nationally and work together to help these builders obviously take advantage of the rebates, but really to just become closer at the job site the way that you did with yours.
0: It's it's you know I, I know it can seem overwhelming, um and it's and it's not. And I think a lot of people think, um, oh, they're a Raider and, you know, it's all building science, and they're so much smarter than me and I don't want to seem stupid. So I'm not going to reach out to them and ask. That is all a perceived misconception in your head. Please work together. Um, Please reach out to your Raiders. And if you're in an area that does not have Raiders, reach out to your code officials. They are willing to help you, very much willing to help you.
1: I think that is good advice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. For those of you out there in the land of the R-Value podcast, thank you so much for listening. If you have questions on this podcast or any of the products that IDI carries, please reach out to your local branch, your local sales rep, or any of us at the corporate office where we look forward to earning your business every day.